Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. A lot to talk about as we continue on through the off-season, but the postseason uh, continues to play, and there were some great games. Well, I don't know if they were great. Not as great as Wild Card Weekend, but uh, another exciting weekend in the NFL as we are now down to the AFC and NFC championship. And fortunately, the game is not being played in Atlanta. Um, I got a lot of things I want to talk about. Let's start with Deshaun Watson, though, and the pressure that's on him as we watch these quarterbacks uh, play in the NFL playoffs and wondering where his place will be among the top quarterbacks in the NFL and how quick does he need to be there to satisfy Browns fans. Daryl, your thoughts on that? Well, I think he's got to be in the top five. If if the Browns are going to do anything uh, as far as not only just making the playoffs, Andy, but making noise in the playoffs, he's going to have to be a top five quarterback in the conference. No, no question about it. I mean, right now the hierarchy is flip your coin between Patrick Mahomes and uh, Joe Burrow. And then Josh, Josh Allen, Allen is third. Um, I was debating there for a moment. Allen or Burrow, but it's Burrow because Burrow's gone further and he's accomplished more in the postseason uh, than Josh Allen has uh, in a short amount of time. So they're going to need him to be at that level. Um, and, and you have two sources of pressure, well, actually multiple sources of pressure, I should say. You've got the contract, the $230 million fully guaranteed. God knows what Joe Burrow's going to get from the Bengals or what he should command from the Bengals, right? Um, will, the, will the Bengals pay it? There's another question for you. Yes, because they they're getting the playoff revenue, so they're gonna Mike Brown will have the the revenue available. They sold stadium naming rights. Now I don't know if they if that's going toward like what the Browns did with First Energy Stadium. They used a big chunk of those naming rights to fund their portion of a stadium renovation. I don't know if the Bengals are uh, doing that, but it's no longer Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. It's like. I think Paycor Stadium or something like that. I've never heard of it, but that's you know what they call it now. <clears throat> so they sold naming rights here. So yes, I think that they'll be able to pay it. And then the other part of the pressure is what the Browns gave up to get him, right? Three first-round picks, six in total. Uh, then there's the other tentacle of uh, the off-the-field baggage and the accusations that he came with, and the and the certainly the the horrible PR hit that the franchise took as a result of that and and making that trade. 
Um, and, and then there is the, the, and we haven't even spoken about just the, the, the competition part, Andy, like that, that's fourth on the list, uh, w- with all the other stuff. And have you uh, said Lamar Jackson's name? I'm trying to remember. No, Did you say his name? No, no we haven't no, said his I, name yet. No. And I, I think he's, I think he's winding down. Um, his style of play, I don't think is conducive for longevity. And the fact that he missed the volume of time that he missed this year because of injury, not a great sign going forward. So um, talent, yeah, but I, I just I have a lot of questions about Lamar Jackson, not just his future in Baltimore, but just his his uh, you know future in general uh, from a longevity standpoint. The talent is there, uh, the acumen is there, but I just the way he plays the game, man, <laughs> I, I do worry about his physical health uh, long term. But yeah, I mean, there's just there's so many things here that Deshaun Watson has to deal with from a pressure standpoint to be successful. And you look at what Joe Burrow does and Josh Allen that the off schedule plays. Now, the good news is we did over those six games, we got a little bit of a glimpse of what Deshaun gives you as far as the off schedule, the Houdini acts, spinning out of sacks, extending plays, right? So that's gonna be there. But yeah, he's gonna he there's no guarantee either that he gets back to the level that he was at in Houston after having 700 uh, days between NFL starts. Um, do I think that that's the case? No, but I'm just pointing it out that it's not guaranteed that all of a sudden he's just going to you know, go ahead and bounce back and be uh, an NFL MVP candidate, which is, again, what the Browns are going to need from him because Joe Burrow covers warts for the Bengals, right? Uh, offensive line problems, or if the defense has a breakdown, whatever, you're, you're confident if there's time on the clock and the football's in Joe Burrow's hands, he can make something happen. Same thing with Josh Allen. Same thing. Like Patrick Mahomes, you literally have to run the clock out to zero. You cannot give Patrick Mahomes the football at all, um, or you risk him doing something spectacular to, to, to come back uh, and beat you in the closing seconds. So, Yeah, that's what the Browns are going to need from Deshaun Watson, and that's a lot of pressure to put on one guy. But that's the job he signed up for, and that's also what the Cleveland Browns signed up for by making that trade. So, Darrell, what are the biggest needs then to make Deshaun Watson successful? I think you brought out a really good point about Deshaun being able to extend the play, about you know living to see a few more seconds in any given play to try to go longer than any quarterback I've seen in, in Bronson. I mean, some of the plays he made over that short period uh, were pretty amazing and spectacular for almost any Browns quarterback I think I've ever seen in my life. But the problem I think is, is the, they've got to learn the chemistry with the offensive line. Cause we did not see that that hurt the team. And you look at the sacks he took, especially the last two weeks of the season, uh, they were monumental. So I, I know you have to accept sacks every once in a while, with Deshaun Watson, but that has got to be improved. And then I'll ask you about the wide receiving core. Is it what he needs? And you can also throw in the, the running backs because, you know, if you're staying with Nick Chubb, you got one of the best running backs in the league. So what do the Browns need to do to give him all the tools to be successful? Well, offensive line, they're in great shape, right? I mean, three of the five guys are signed to long-term deals. They're going to you know run, run out the clock. Uh and most likely pick up that fifth-year option on Jedrick Wills. Uh, Andrew Barry's not going to bail on a guy he drafted. We know that. Uh, history tells us that. Uh, there are questions at center, but I don't know that there's you know big questions there. I mean, I thought Ethan Postick played 
extremely well. They, you know, they handled that Nick Harris season-ending injury uh, amazingly. Um, not a lot of drop-off, right? Nick Chubb ran for 1,500 yards. So it's really, it's, you know, I kind of laugh, and I'm guilty of it myself, you know, because I'm one of the people who give Nick Chubb more touches. But the guy averaged five yards a carry and had over 1,500 yards. So he got a lot of touches uh, this past season. Um, They need speed at receiver. There's no question about it. You mentioned sacks. Um, Kevin Stefanski was on with the morning show last week, and he kind of basically mentioned that that's going to be cost of doing business sacks and holding penalties, because some of the sacks for Deshaun Watson are when he is extending the play and he doesn't get back to the line of scrimmage near the sideline that goes down in the stat book as a sack. Now, is it your traditional, you know, five, seven, 10, you know, drop sack? No, but statistically that does count. Uh, as a sack. And that's part of the reason why when you look at his career numbers, he's been sacked so much. He, I would argue he's not been sacked like Joe Burrow has early in his career. If that makes sense, his sacks have, a lot of them have come as the result of extending uh, the play. So uh, tweak the receiving core, get some depth in there behind uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. And of course, Amari Cooper, maybe David Bell, as a draft and develop guy, third round pick last year, you know, I know he's your boy. Maybe he gets, uh, you know, down the line here as far as his development. Um, but again, I just, I go back to my key argument about the Browns, Andy, when you're in a win now mode draft and develop, it can be a organizational priority behind the scenes, but it can't be on the field. Like you can't, you can't be putting third round picks on the field. Unless, unless they can absolutely just go out there, make plays, and, and contribute at a high level. Um, third round picks, fourth round picks, fifth round picks, sixth round picks, seventh round those guys need to be on the practice squad or on the bench and running scout team during the week. Or starting for the San Francisco 49ers. Well, there's that too. Every once isn't, in a while. Isn't it amazing, the adversity? And, and this is where I, I think and I understand where Browns fans are jealous, right? Because we always, it's, you know, and, and you have to, to be fair, but it, there's always, right? well, the Browns didn't make the playoffs in 2021 because Baker Mayfield was hurt. And so the offense couldn't function. So this year they couldn't make the playoffs. Well, Jacoby Brissett had to start the first loving game, even though Jacoby Brissett completely like played way better than Deshaun Watson did and completed 64% of his passes, good touchdown interception ratio, took care of the ball, whatever. The defense just flat out laid an egg in the first half of the season with Jacoby out there. But like, that was the excuse this year, right? The 49ers, every excuse not to do anything, three quarterbacks deep and Brock Purdy has them in the conference championship game. Um, you look at the the New York giants and some of the things that they've gone through injury wise. And, you know, I know they didn't advance, uh, you know, Philadelphia is another team like the Eagles go through injuries and it doesn't phase them. So, I get the jealousy that Browns fans might have, Andy, when you look at other situations that pop up and significant injuries that pop up on other teams and they find ways to continue to win and continue to persevere. And the Browns, it's like, well, yeah, we we could have, but this, this, and this happened. And it would be nice if the Browns could get to a point where 
yeah, you can mention that stuff, but it's not impacting the results on game days. Daryl, I look at and I think about the NFC North and how crappy they were just a few years ago. And then you turn to this weekend and three of their teams were in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I understand the jealousy, but I, man, it's like every team in the NFL can turn things around fast enough within three years to at least have some kind of sniff of the playoffs. Jacksonville Jaguars had the worst record in the NFL under Urban Meyer, right? Laughing right. Doug Peterson walks in there and not only do they win their division and make the, and make the playoffs, but they get to the divisional round. Um, now, granted, knew that they were absolutely outma- outmatched against Kansas City, but they played the Chiefs really like I had the blowouts on Saturday backwards. I thought it was going to be the Chiefs to blow out the Jaguars, and it was going to be the Eagles and the Giants just, you know, beating the crap out of each other. And it, it, the scripts were flipped. It was Kansas City and Jacksonville going at each other. And then, of course, uh, the blowout came uh, in the nightcap with uh, Philadelphia uh, running the Giants back to New York. But, um, yeah, it just it's fun football to watch, and it just would be nice if the Cleveland Browns could participate. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Bass. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the award winners for your Cleveland Browns, and I've got a big hypothetical question. It's all coming up on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. It's always game day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder and Andy Baskin. A quick reminder for you, mobile sports betting finally legal here in the state of Ohio. BetQL is here to help you make the most of informed bets possible. See all of today's best bets by heading to BetQL.com or downloading the BetQL app. Claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for exclusive sportsbook offers. All right, Daryl, uh, you know, we, it was interesting, and, and we're going to get some hypotheticals here and some awards for the Browns too, but one of the things that Jeff and I have been doing on the on the Daily Show is uh, breaking down, you know, different parts of the team, different players, and just trying to get some kind of a feel or assessment of what guys accomplished last year and where they're going to go in the future and what's going to be better for this team down the road. Well, one of the things that we happened to talk about was the special teams and Mike Prefer, and it's funny, there's this sense of hesitation when we talk about Mike Prefer because I, I don't know. I mean, it's already what? It's January 23rd. Is he coming back or not? That's my question for you, Daryl. Is he coming yeah. back next year? It's up in the air right now. As we record this on a uh, full disclosure Monday evening, um, yes. it, it, it's still up in the air. Um, uh, my understanding is there's going to be some more meetings this week out in Berea re- related to the coaching staff. Of course, Chad O'Shea, who knew he was a hot commodity all of a sudden, interviewed with the Jets. And then uh, the Ravens for offensive coordinator uh, jobs. He's the re- uh, grand. He's the receivers coach slash pass game coordinator for the Browns. Whatever. I, the Browns are the king of meaningless titles. Like Andrew Barry's title is executive vice president of football operations in general. Who gives a crap? You're the GM. What do you need a fancy title for? I feel sorry for the dude that's got to do the door plate for the office. All the characters that they got to paint. Just call yourself the GM. Are you that important that you have to have such a long, fancy title? Okay, sorry. That's my rant of the day. Um, anyway, back to Prefer. Uh, yeah, don't know yet. We'll see. More meetings. Not 100% that he stays. Not 100% that he goes. I would uh, not deduct the question, Andy, but I'd probably say right now it's 50-50. Why do you think it's 50-50? I mean, we're still sitting here. and Are they waiting for the season over? Is there some kind of 
special teams guru that's out there. They're waiting for it to end the season. And if they can't get him, then they're going to stick with Mike Prefer. What? Why? Well, why wait? Well, think of the timetable that typically happens, right? They they spent the first week plus looking for a defensive coordinator. So they got that taken care of, got Jim Schwartz in before some of these other coaching staff started to fill in, right? Uh, and that's the other tentacle to this. There's there's so many head coaching jobs that are still out there. And the, and the big reason why is because these teams are waiting for clubs to get eliminated for the playoffs so they can, can not only go deeper in their interview processes, but ultimately hire people. Um, so there, there's that part of it. The, the other part of it, too, is the evaluation process that you go through. Um, with all due respect to special teams, I don't think that's the first thing the Cleveland Browns evaluated this offseason. So uh, I, I think, obviously, defense first up, right, because they made the change at defensive coordinator, got the new guy in. You've got to pick apart your offense a little bit. There's changes and adjustments that you're going to have to make on that side of the ball to better kind of cater to Deshaun Watson um, a, a little bit. Uh, it's not going to be run first anymore. It's probably going to be a, a pass first uh, and and then use the, the play action. But, um, you know, now you're into, what, week three of the offseason? Now's a good time to, you know, uh, take a look at special teams. The other part of this too, Andy, is remember who we're talking about and dealing with. Paul DePodesta, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, all very like they're the antithesis of me. They are flatline, non-emotional, patient, in, patient, intellectual. Let me check out my spreadsheet. Let me grab the analytical data and look at something. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's a different bunch out there, and and so they're not going to make any knee, you know knee-jerk emotional decision uh, in that regard. So. You sit down this week, you, you, you finish combing through your coaching staff and uh, make decisions, not just with Prefer, but even some of the defensive assistants too. Um, you know, you, you make some decisions about guys that you either want to retain or you want to have move on. Uh, and this is, I think, the perfect week to, to accomplish that. All right, so if we had to evaluate the special teams, I, look, I can make an argument for Mike Prefer to come back. And here's why. I, look, you... Unless he jumped on the table for Cade York in the beginning of the year and said, we've got to draft this guy as the greatest kicker in the history of the game. And he said, I'll put my job on the line for Cade York. I, I don't see, you know, Mike Prefer doesn't make the kicks. Now, were there problems in the beginning of the season? Yes. But I'll always say this about special teams. The fact is special teams are made up of guys in the NFL that probably never played special teams their entire career except for maybe the beginning of their college experience. Because, let's face it, special teams are guys you don't want to get hurt and guys that you wouldn't normally call your specialists. Or you wouldn't call your – you would call them your starters and you don't want to put them in the role. So I think, you know, I, I liken special teams to the bullpen guys. They're fickle. You never know what you're going to get every year. And you've got coaches that have got to evaluate and put them together each and every season. Now, I also thought that when they decided to do – you know, York is one thing. Um, Bjorkas, I thought, had a pretty good season. You know, when you look at the fact that he averaged 48 yards per punt, I thought he did a nice job this year. And I, I don't have any complaints with Bjorkas, with Corey Bjorkas. The fact that they finally, at the end of the year, and the second half of the season, decided to put a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones back to return kicks, I thought that was monumental because you were taking a player 
of substance and putting him into a position because you knew your field position game wasn't going the way you wanted it, whether it was on punt returns or kickoff returns. They upgraded that spot with quality players towards the end of the season, and we saw an uptick on that. Am I still mad about the Jets game? You bet your you-know-what I am. There was no excuse for losing that game, and at the end of it, I, I my fingers are right at special teams. But, you know, things happen. And I also thought it was weird that during um, – which game did they try an onside kick on Sunday? I can't, there were only three successful onside kicks all season long. I was just about to mention that. I saw the stat over the weekend. Couldn't believe like that. 50-plus so, onside kicks. Only three were successful, and, of course, one of those had to be against the Browns. So, But my point is I could make an argument for Mike Pree for staying if that's what they wanted to. But, you, you know, again, it's about resources. It's about doing that. But if you want to change a culture or you don't think he did a good job coaching or he didn't fix problems, then you have to say to yourself, okay, we need to switch coaches. But I, I could see the argument either way on this. I'm not surprised Prefer's not hasn't been let go. In fact, I won't be surprised if he sticks around. What do you think? Why did it take so long to get, get Donovan Peoples-Jones returning punts? Jerome Ford, that was injury. So, you know, he did a nice job returning kicks this year. Um I agree with everything uh, that you said in regards to making the case for Prefer to stay. You also forgot he's very good in front of the cameras and microphones. Dude loves to talk. <laughs> and he's so you very, should want him to stay. And he's very good at it. Um, but um, early in the season, special teams, it, it's similar to the defense, Andy. The season was lost in the first eight games. They were cooked. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville, after slow starts, they rebounded and, you know, Pittsburgh almost made the playoffs. Jacksonville did make the playoffs. And I think that that's the other thing, too, is, is I mean, they, they were cooked in the first eight games when they started, or actually seven games. When they started two and five, that was your season right there, right? Um, they ended up finishing the year five and five uh, to get them to, to seven and ten. but. Down the stretch is great, but when they needed to be on their A game, they weren't, man. I'm going to throw one more thing at you. Jakeem Grant, too, on special teams. Yeah. We got hurt in the beginning of the season, and, you know, well, if Prefers got him, yeah. that, that might change things, too, you know? Yeah, first couple of days of camp, he went down. So there is a case to keeping him, but there's also a case to to making a change. And, um, and again, this is no disrespect to special teams or special teams coordinators, but your priorities and coordinators and in, in dealing with them are your offensive and your defensive coordinators first. Those guys will always take priority over the special teams coordinators. Um, the Browns have been fortunate over the years to have some really good ones. One of my all-time favorites was Chris Tabor. I thought Me he too. Just, I thought he was awesome. I, I mean, it, there was a reason he survived 20 coaching <laughs> changes. Um, he Cockroaches just, and Chris Tabor would survive a nuclear war. Yeah, I, I mean – he just was one of the best. Look, look, I, I mean, look what he did for Josh Cribs, right? And again, this is no disrespect to Josh, but like this is a this is an an unknown, undrafted free agent from Kent State that Chris Tabor turned into a Pro Bowl returner. You know what I mean? And yes, you get you give Josh his flowers for having the physical talents and and doing it, but like I think Chris Tabor had a lot to do with Josh Cribs on the field uh, success and kudos to, to Cribsy for, um, you know, yeah. rec not, you know, uh, reaching that potential. Okay. 
Um, the best coaches get the best out of their players, and there's no question that he got the best out of Cribs. Um, I don't know that Chris Tabor gets the best out of his special teams unit, just like we already established that Joe Woods didn't get much out of his defense. So those that to me is, you know, obviously there's stuff that goes on in the building that we have no idea about, you know, behind the scenes. So if they do make a change at special teams, I think it's going to go far deeper than just the end result on the field. All right. So that'll do it for special teams. And uh, I want to come back and we're going to wrap things up too. I've got a great hypothetical that Daryl absolutely hates. And we're going to talk about some awards for the Browns. It's all straight ahead. And it's always game day in Cleveland. If you like where you're listening to, well, subscribe to the podcast. Or if you want to hit us up on social media, you're always welcome to. Game day CLE. That's the place to go if you're on Instagram or Twitter. We're back after this. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. Daryl, we've got some awards. Your turn. Hand them out, my friend. Uh, yeah, award season. I did vote on these. These are the Pro Football Writers of America Awards, uh, which I'm a member of. And I did vote for each of these uh, guys uh, to be on the all-NFL team, running back Nick Chubb, left guard Joel Batonio, defensive end Miles Garrett. All three of those also appeared on the all-AFC uh, roster. But, you know, those three basically clean it up during award season, Andy. Um you know, this is the third straight year that Batonio and Garrett made the uh, PFWA All NFL team. That's the longest active streak among uh, active players. Wow. Uh, Chubb, uh, a four time Pro Bowler, of course. We talked about 15, 25 uh, yards rushing, new career high, 12 touchdowns. He was the NFL PA's All Pro first team, as well as Associated Press All Pro second team. Batonio now a five-time Pro Bowler, at it, slowly building a Hall of Fame caliber resume. He was an Associated Press All-Pro first team, as well as NFLPA All-Pro first team uh, this year. We, of course, gave him our Joe Thomas Award winner as uh, the, the, the team's best player. And then Garrett, four-time Pro Bowler, ties his career high in franchise single-season sack record with 16 sacks this past season. He was named to the Associated Press All-Pro second team as well and the NFLPA All-Pro first team. So, yeah, I mean, pretty good uh, pretty good run in uh, additions to the trophy case for those three guys uh, for the, uh, the work that they did throughout the 2022 football season. Um, Daryl, before we get to the, the next point, I, I wanted to bring up a hypothetical, but didn't, I thought you had uh... – you had one more thing you want to talk about, or you had a mailbag question. Was that what it was? Did you have a mailbag oh, question? Oh, no, no, no. I came up with this. Oh, okay. What is it? Oh, I, I, I lit the match on Twitter with this. Oh, good. Let's hear it. Basically, the Bengals are mopping the floor with the Cleveland Browns in the state of Ohio. Since 1990, are you ready? Except for, for when they played on Monday Night Football this year. All right. And by the way, the last time the Bengals lost the game was that game. Browns on Halloween. <laughs> and apparently... The Browns woke the Bengals from the dead after that. Well, good. Uh, Maybe so, they'll send us a check afterwards. You, just yeah. me and you. The players don't need it. Just me or and invite, you. Or invite us all to their parade. Okay. Uh, since 1990, Cincinnati, seven division titles, 10 playoff appearances, six playoff victories, and one Super Bowl appearance with an asterisk because that could change to two here in a week. Cleveland, zero division titles three playoff appearances, two playoff victories, 
And WTF is this Super Bowl that you speak of? Wait, did you say the Browns had two playoff victories? Yes. 1994 uh, and 2020. Two playoff appearances. Two playoff victories. They've had three appearances because they appeared in the 2002 playoffs. Oh, 1994. I'm sorry. I thought you were since 99. Okay, my bad. I'm like, um, I think we've only won one playoff game since the team came back. Oh, no, no. I'm going back to the original Browns. uh, Oh, that's not fair, Daryl. There were five years. That's not fair. Would you like me to go back to 1980 and add two? No, because you know what? And none for the Browns? There's the expansion era Browns, and then there's the regular Browns. You know what's here's what's ironic, right? So fans not only fought to get the Browns back, yeah, but they fought to keep the record books. And all people like me have tried to do to protect the integrity of the original franchise is separate the expansion crap from the original franchise because that's what it's been. That's all I ever want to do. I think they should have just stopped the records for the Browns at that era and just call it a day. You know what? Don't give I, it to Baltimore, though. Baltimore do, doesn't deserve it. Do, Forget do them. This route. Should we just rename the team? New colors, new everything. Should we pull the Cleveland Guardians? No. They didn't change the name of the colors. They just added a couple letters, the Indians. <laughs> There's still the, the Indians. Ah. <laughs> Guardians, come on and play. Oh, wrong movie. All right, so listen. Yes, we suck. Is that what you're trying to get to? We suck. But I, I want to throw this idea well, you know, out. All the you. stuff that the, all the grief that the Bengals get, right? They're the bungles. They're to, but then they're like not the bungles you, to me. But when you look at that, the the contrast is striking, and I, I just I couldn't believe that when I was tabulating that tonight before we put the podcast together Darryl, is it all right is it all right for browns fans to root for the Bengals? that was a big question today yes a hundred percent i think it is too as you know although here's the problem if they win the super bowl the browns will be the only team in the division to have have not won a super bowl well that's why i think I mean, they already they, are the only team in the division not to make a super bowl and they're one of four te- they're one of four teams to never make a super bowl in the league and they're the only team to have nothing to do with Super Bowl weekend, either hosting or being in the game. It's the only franchise in the NFL to have had nothing to do with Super Sunday because the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Lions have all hosted Super Bowls. Thanks. That's great. I didn't think about that until just now. It would be nice to not sleep again tonight about that. So here's my proposition for you. No pressure, Deshaun Watson. No pressure at all. Here's my proposition for you. Get rid of the divisions and just play. I think if they got rid of the divisions and just became the AFC (coughs) and the playoff format stayed the same way and we eliminated playing teams twice a year. So you go to the college format where you only play and you would play your rivals every year. You would play those four rivals every year, but only once rather than twice. So in your I I think – I think it would give the Browns an advantage to try to make the playoffs. I think it'd be easier. How many losses have they sucked up since 99 to Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh? If it's one or two less, it'd be very helpful. And try. I'm trying to do for the Browns what Major League Baseball did for the Indians by adding the Central. 
So what you're saying is they need to add another division. We need help. Uh, yeah, no kidding. I'm trying to get some help from the NFL on this. I'm um, saying just forget it. Make it the AFC and the NFC. Under your formula, Tom Brady didn't make the playoffs this year, right? Because the Buccaneers were under 500 and won their division. Correct. I got no problem with that. You take the you take the best teams in the, what don't you think that's a better idea? I Make like it the, hard. I like the I like the divisions. I like the divisions. I you know they're going you you do realize they're gonna add an 18th game at some point here, right? For sure. For, okay. And that's even more reason to get rid of the, the so, and just so what how about playing 18 different teams a year? You got a I problem with that, that? If they expand, which I don't think is gonna happen. But if they do expand, then I think that they would probably have to do that because there's no way to balance it, right? Because remember when the Browns came back in 99, all the divisions were all screwed up. I think the old AFC Central had six teams in it. And then when the Texans came into the league in 2002, I believe it was, that rebalanced everything and they were able to re, you know, realign and balance and, and make the, the four – four team divisions um yeah i um i do like the divisional thing uh i remember when the seattle seahawks made the playoffs they were under 500 they want a playoff game like they, they were a problem so i i i kind of like the current format i'm going to totally poo poo and hate on your idea of well you're uh, a dummy you're an idiot no, I'm just kidding. You know that. Um, I mean, think about I, this. In, two, like, in 2000, Daryl, the AFC Central had the Titans, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Jags, the Bengals, and the Browns. And guess what? If that was still the division, the Browns would still, what, be in last place, right? Uh, yes, they would still be in last place. So so how does this help them? <laughs> think about what were they thinking when they did that? Look at all the teams we had to have in the AFC Central well, and then well, the, the AFC West. Why, well, because they were when the Browns came back, they were trying to keep the traditional. I like the Titans used to be the Houston Oilers. Right. So they were trying to keep that division, the old AFC Central. They were trying to keep that together. They wanted the Browns to be back in the same division with the Steelers and the Bengals, and they certainly wanted Cleveland to have to play Baltimore. They should have put the Jaguars, though, in the AFC East at that point. Yeah. And here's the other thing, too. Like, does that mean you only want to see Giants Cowboys once a year? Or yeah, I'm want- fine with it. I don't care. I see the Cowboys too much anyway. Don't care. You don't want to see the Ravens and Steelers just beat the holy hell out of each other. No, twice. don't care. Hate both those franchises. See you later. No, I'm just teasing. I look, I, I'd be okay with it. I think that helps that. I think that like it I, I think this division kind of helps the Browns, just the Browns haven't been competent enough to take advantage of it. All right, you have your thoughts, I have mine. And we'll do this again later in the week. Daryl, final thought. Go. Do you have one? No, not really. <laughs> He's empty. He's not smarter from this podcast today. You will be, though. All right, well, we'll roll on with the playoffs going into next week. We'll see what happens to Mike Prefer, and you can give us your comments. I say just make it the AFC. Get rid of the AFC North. Play the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Bengals once a year. I got and news rotate you. You and rotate to help the Cleveland Browns win percentage. You're dead yes. wrong and rotate. You really want the Browns to have to play the Kansas city chiefs on a regular basis. Really? I want really? maybe every other year. If there's only... winning percentage. Get <laughs> out of here. If you're playing 18 different teams, you play them every, you'll play some teams every other year, but you'll get to play. 
you'll get fans will get to see every team right every two years. Well, they get to if see you're every, playing an 18 game schedule, every team like once every eight years, something like that, right? That's ridiculous, ridiculous. I say, poppycock. All right, I'm done. You're done too. For Meredith Kane, our amazing producer, I'm Andy Baskin. He's Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, you know what to do. Subscribe to the podcast. See ya.